This is Sandy Clark with the new Civil War Weekly, Episode 5, for March 1st, 2021. So I ran a little late today chasing down an idea. I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants here, and we have a lot to build. If you want to help, let me know. You can reach me, Sandy, at thenewcivilwarweekly.com. We will begin posting the week's humor on Wednesdays to help you through the week with a humorous hump day. And we'll take a look at the dark underworld of Proud Boys, Nazis, white supremacists, Christian nationalists, and the occasional Russian along the way uh, on Fridays. So we'll do Freaky Fridays with all of the best freaks that you want to know about. So watch out for these special Wednesday and Friday posts, along with our regular podcast on Mondays. And moving into the day's news. How deep does it go? We have a problem with fifth columnists who are trying to slow down this investigation of January 6th. For example, take Thomas Webster, retired NYPD cop and retired Marine, who spent six weeks on the FBI's most wanted list. He was arrested this week, a man whose fingerprints and face are in multiple databases. Why did it take six weeks to find him? Certainly he would be recognized, right? By his police buddies? ex-Marines? It's as if he slipped through the cracks. I want to know who the men in the shadows are. I want to hear someone asking them why. As the number of arrests related to the January 6th insurrection climbed past 300, according to the Department of Justice, we're still, still dealing with just small potatoes. Where are the organizers? Who were the funders? It appears we are drawing closer to that reality. Roger Stone remains in the crosshairs as evidence must be flowing from the numerous arrested Oath Keepers around him on January 5th and 6th. Rumors of Capitol reconnaissance tours have circulated since January 6th. Well, evidence of those tours has been turned over to the U.S. Attorney this past week. There could still be an innocent explanation. New members may have just been eager to show their families around, but now we will find out either way. And Representative Paul Gozar, a Republican from Arizona, got caught attending a white supremacy rally that appeared to glorify the January 6th insurrection that he himself is accused of organizing. We distanced, uh, He distanced himself from the rally, saying he doesn't support, quote, white racism, and thus proving he has no anti-racist bones in his body by using a racialized definition of racism. I'm surprised he didn't say it was all a joke. They always try to avoid the consequences. It's imply and then deny with them, always. Speaking of implying and denying, a photo of a pickup truck supporting the Three Percenters logo was parked in the restricted zone around the Capitol on January 6th. It has been identified as that of the husband of Representative Mary Miller, a Republican from Illinois. An Illinois state representative himself, her husband, Chris Miller, claims he was given the decal and doesn't know what it means. Never mind that he has posted pictures 
of him standing in front of both the three percenter and QAnon flags. Who on earth believes bullshit like that? It reminds me of the bully's eternal refrain of, I was only kidding. It's the last refuge of the deplorable because, let's face it, they just don't believe in consequences, and they can't tell the truth. It's amazing how much they rely on our decency to weaponize their lies and symbols like this. And let's talk Democratic scandals for a moment, for a bit of contrast. Let's discuss the response to the scandals around Andrew Cuomo. Imagine if this were a Republican. Do you think there would be any call for an investigation by other Republicans? Would a Republican ever welcome an investigation into their own behavior? Would a Republican AG ever hold a Republican accountable? It's really hard to imagine now, isn't it? Now that they have covered for the president, even when they agree he was at fault, as Mitch McConnell said, we can no longer trust them to hold people accountable. They just don't believe in consequences. The Democrats have shown themselves to be better at accountability at every stage of this. Take Bill Maher, who decided to lean into white grievance this week in a racist segment on his show. Liberal critics were quick to jump in and call him out. You can find out more in the post attached to this podcast at thenewcivilwarweekly.com. We can't trust a Republican to see justice prevail any longer. Milestones have been crossed in the battle against COVID this week. We crossed the 500,000 deaths threshold, half a million dead. And President Joe Biden marked the occasion with grace and decency, hosting a memorial. It made a nice change to the Trump tradition of lying about the virus to mark these milestones. A recent study by the Lancet Commission estimates that Trump's mismanagement and sabotage of public health services during this pandemic accounts for 40% of the total deaths. Currently, this places the Trump death legacy, Trump's dead alone, those dead by his actions, at above 200,000 souls. That's more than the First World War and the Vietnam combined, all in a horrific year. He's the greatest mass murderer in history, if you're going by a strictly efficiency standpoint. He's incredibly ruthless, a serial killer of extreme renown. It's a truly monstrous record, but let's not forget he was aided and abetted by a fifth columnist near you, somewhere in a nearby basement. A local QAnon or MAGA is regurgitating those lies and making memes to mock safety measures and apparently texting me while I'm podcasting. <laughs> it groomed them to lie. It has trained them to swallow falsehoods. The same Republicans who spread COVID disinformation found it easy to spread election disinformation. I've got a link to that in this podcast at thenewcivilwarweekly.com. Don't worry if they are caught. They'll just tell you they were only joking, right? No worries. We also bombed an Iranian logistics hub in Syria this past week as a warning to Iranians who have stepped up attacks on our forces in Iraq. Conservatives were quick to forget history and condemn Biden and even post glowing reviews of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's critiques of neoliberalism and Western culture. Assad said, Neoliberalism is based on promoting a total moral degeneracy and separation of individuals from any principles or values and affiliations and beliefs in order to reach this moral degeneracy, he said, adding, 
This is against human nature. Ever since humans made their own idols and gods, a child would instinctively belong to his parents' religion. They contradict humanity itself. If you're wondering there, the they is us on the left, and the degeneracy are things like abortion and being gay and being trans and, I guess, even being of a different religion considering Assad's a theocratic um, leader. I wonder how many QAnons, Keks, and MAGAs will even notice that they are sliding, uh, that they are siding with Syria and Iran in this. And when they praise Assad's comments, do you think they realize it's theocratic reasoning? Do they even care? I wonder what they'll be forced to believe next week. Who would have thought that within 33 days we'd be bombing the Middle East again? I would have. Oh no, guys, come on, the military-industrial complex? I'm surprised it took them 33 days. I guess they waited till the first month, so they couldn't say that was part of the first 30, but it was only shortly thereafter where we started bombing the Middle East. Speaking of bombing the Middle East, have you seen Liz Cheney's poll numbers? Now, listen, the one thing I'll say for Liz Cheney is I'm sure she has a lot of bipartisan support because if there's one thing that she and Joe Biden definitely want to do, it's bomb the Middle East. Doesn't little Donnie know that all presidents get tested this way in their presidencies? Doesn't little Donnie know that his dad increased both airstrikes and civilian casualties massively? Why would he? He claims to have brought peace to the Middle East with no wars and no death, so I guess airstrikes just don't count, huh? In Syria alone, Donald Trump increased the death toll from airstrikes by 330%. For contrast, Joe Biden's strike is likely to have killed no Syrians at all and used just seven precision bombs to do it. Compare that to the night Trump launched 59 Tomahawk missiles at Syria during his summit with President Xi of China. Is it any wonder Xi returned to China and placed his entire country on a war footing? Maybe Don Jr. has already forgotten his strong endorsement of his dad's airstrikes in Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen, Somalia, and an old-told number of drone strikes across the region. For example, George W. Bush and Barack Obama launched a total of 41 airstrikes in Somalia during the 16 years of their administrations. Donald Trump launched 40 airstrikes on Somalia in the first six months of 2020 alone. I guess those airstrikes and those dead just don't count. Perhaps the bombing Lil Donnie should be more worried about is his CPAC speech, which was with, with boos and tepid applause. When polled on primary matchups in February, Republican voters ranked Donald Trump Jr. at 6%, tied with recently divorced Nikki Haley, who spoke the truth and broke from Trump in a self-destructive fit of decency as she tried to find a path to the presidency in 2024. Still, they beat Ted Cancun Cruz, who polled at 3%. So way to go, little Donnie and Nikki. Trump, though, Trump came in at 54%, soaking up all the oxygen in the room in this festering hotbox of conservative politics. It's not only the big lie being pushed at CPAC, you see, you know, the lie that the election was stolen. Donald Trump Jr. pushing serious strike falsehoods, it's nothing. It's lost in the background noise of routine lies. 
At CPAC, Donald Trump claimed he reduced human trafficking through aggressive action in his part. But there's no evidence of that. In fact, most of the efforts against human trafficking actually went down during his administration. Fewer arrests, fewer convictions. It's just more empty words to feed the QAnon cultists. So let's talk CPAC in general. It certainly seems that the worst of the Republican Party has risen like some fetid, festering, pestilent cream to the top of the bucket of sour milk. It began with a golden statue of Trump, which helped attendees break the First and Second Commandments early in the conference. For a bunch of Christians who argue for biblical literalism, they certainly have shown an enlightened attitude towards this golden calf, haven't they? Exodus 20 Chapters 3 through 4 reads, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. When they reach the pearly gates, I guess they can tell Peter they were just kidding, right? I'm sure God is a gullible man. It'll work, right? The speakers also offered some exceptionally laughable material as well. Ted Cruz playing William Wallace? Saturday's remarks were definitely won by Lauren Boebert, who took the Sarah Palin Prize for the best word salad. This woman really knows her stuff. She said, Republicans are called the party of no, but we're saying no to all of their no. They don't want you to be able to protect yourself. They don't want you to have freedom of speech. They don't want you to have freedom of religion. They are the party of no. We are saying no. We're saying a big hell no to all of their no's. Well, I guess she knows. And we can't finish CPAC without talking about the Nazi symbolism of their stage. This is kind of what held me up today as I went back and forth about how deep this symbolism was in our culture. It's a, it's a big topic of discussion on social media this week. The symbol turns out to be that of the Schutzstaffel, and pardon me, I'm going to butcher German, the exact SS unit tasked with getting Jews to the camps and ensuring racial purity. Here you can get a pretty wallpaper of it. Well, on the link at my site you can. There's a quote from an article posted on Veritas Media in May of 2020 that sums it up. The Odal rune became the emblem of ethnically pure Germans and was used by the 7th SS Volunteer Mountain Division, Prinz Eugen. The symbol translates to heritage and estate, and hence the Nazi interpretation of the symbol to represent ethnic purity. It was the ethnic purity that they were striving for. The symbol has since been used by the neo-Nazi National Socialist Movement in the USA, the neo-fascist National Vanguard in Italy, where it's very popular right now, and the far-right White Liberation Movement in South Africa, where it has again been used to represent ethnic purity and supremacism. The 7th Volunteer Mountain Division was tasked with General Plan Ost and getting the Jews herded into the camps in the east. If you had relatives who died in those camps, men from Hungary or Czechoslovakia, uh, whole families that were exterminated from Poland and elsewhere, the men that made the trains run on time wore this rune that was turned into an incredible clumsy and awkward stage for the CPAC convention. I'm sure it was just an accident, 
right? Well, it turns out Matt Schlapp said that this was all conspiracy and how dare people think that. It's kind of the go-to mode for them, isn't it? Just denial, denial, denial. For example, the hotel, the Hyatt, basically said, we apologize, we had no idea, this shouldn't have happened. Matt Schlapp could have done that, but instead Matt Schlapp got mad at us for noticing. It came up earlier this month as well, when Marilyn Manson was accused of being a sexual abuser and mind-controlling Nazi by Evan Rachel Wood. It turns out over a dozen women have come forward to say the same thing. The rune was briefly all over the entertainment news and the Nazi chat boards. This would be late January, early February. You might not have known about it, but it was definitely in the news. And someone decided that would make a great stage. Ethnic purity for CPAC. And finally, let's go to the arrest news. As we mentioned earlier, arrests topped 300 this week. The search intensified for a man who sprayed chemicals on Officer Brian Sicknick before he died. Previously arrested on January, February, pardon me, February 5th, James Douglas Rahm of Atlantic City, New Jersey, was indicted this past week. We learned that he boasted on social media of urinating in Nancy Pelosi's office. Also, a Queens Republican official, Philip Grillo, was arrested this week after being identified from his jacket. Grillo describes himself as the Republican Messiah on Facebook, where he lauds men like Michael Savage. William Finnegan has a relevant comment in The New Yorker about the ways in which fallout from the Capitol insurgency has brought law enforcement's racism problem into stark relief. It remains to be seen if the good officers can be teased apart from the, quote, very fine people, close quote, on the other side. Um, you can find links to all these stories, again, at the website, thenewcivilwarweekly.com, and you can read about them in detail there. Finally, how can you start organizing now to win in 2022, 2024, and beyond? These are fascists. We only survive if we stop the fascists. We can't even pretend with these things. We can't feed the luxury that it's all just a joke and let it slip by and let them become more extreme. Remember when they were telling us that holding rallies at Stone Mountain, Georgia, the KKK holy site, uh, didn't mean anything? And when fine people on both sides didn't mean what he said it meant? And when the OK symbol was turned into the white power symbol and they said we just weren't getting the joke? Well, now they've moved on to symbols talking about ethnic cleansing. I think it's time to organize and fight back. There are several organizations organizing voters right now and supercharging the power of your participation. Make sure your vote counts by getting involved with a bigger cause. Try Indivisible, Swing Left, Sister District, Move On, Flippable, or my personal favorite, the Working Families Party. You'll find links to all of them in the post for this podcast at thenewcivilwarweekly.com. During the election, they organized entertainment at the Working Families Party for all of the people waiting in the long lines to vote. It was my personal favorite moment of the campaign season. It was their Joy to the Polls project, and it was both fun and encouraging. It made you feel like you were part of a bigger mission. They host weekly get-togethers online, and they make calls in support of left-leaning issues and candidates. We've made calls for... Um, 
D.C. statehood. We've made calls to uh, encourage candidates in Georgia. We helped fight to get Reverend Warnock elected. Uh, the Working Families Party has been a lot of fun to work with. And if you want an organization that's both woke and effective with young leadership from the African-American community, this is a great one to get involved with. So do that. Um, find some people. Get involved. Democracy goes to those who show up. Choose to keep it. Pledge to fight for it. And all right, the hunt is still on and I have more news to gather. If you would like to help, write me, sandy at thenewcivilwarweekly.com. And as always, keep your eyes open and fight for your nation any way you can. And when they say they were just kidding about those Nazi symbols and you must be imagining things, gaslighting you for daring to question them, you have my permission to punch them first and ask the rest of your questions later. Haha. -ha. It's a joke. Just a joke. I'm just kidding. The enemy of prophecy won't take our good advice. So now it's up to every man to make some sacrifice. What kind of an American are you? Will you think that they are right?